Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Carlene Cannon. Hello, Larger Story family. This is Carlene Cannon, and I am here with my good friend, Arlita Ibach. She's also a very good friend of Larger Story. She has been in relationship with Rachel and Larry Crabb for a long time. They've been an important part of her life. And as a result of that connection, Arlita made some decisions to start a coffee shop. And a lot. some of that was because she wanted to talk to people and she wanted to have conversations that mattered with people in her community. And so I just thought as we're talking about soul talk and what it means to have conversations that matter, that Arlita is an expert and she's someone that we should just hear from and get to know a little bit and just wanted for her to share with us what it's like to have conversations that matter and how that's changed her and changed her family and is impacting her community. So Arlita, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to our time together and thought we'd just jump right in. How maybe you could just share a little bit of your journey and then particularly how your journey was impacted by Larry Crabb and the teachings that he offered and, and what you chose to do with that. Okay, sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. It was good to see you again, too, as well. I, I prefer in person, but I'll... Yeah, exactly. In person, with coffee, and yeah. just chatting away. But yeah, again, thank you for having me. Yeah, I started out with School of Spiritual Direction in 2008, and I had read are started to reshatter dreams and I didn't like the book so much, but it was really stirred a lot and resonated quite a bit with me. So when I had read that book, I researched New Ways Ministries and researched Larry Crabb. And so I ended up uh, going to School of Spiritual Direction in 2008. And it was, as many people, it was life-changing. And I was on our trajectory of a lot of just, I don't know whether I was going to even keep seeking God or seeking the path of God and Christianity and church and a lot of good conversations that week. And I think conversation with the holy curiosity that uh, I feel Larry Crabb displays very well, the transcendent curiosity that he talks about in Soul Talk. A lot of good conversation that week, and then it continued over the years, and with Larry, and through letters, through phone calls, letters that were hard to read, so I'd call him if he could (laughs) transcribe them for me, (laughs) but we would chat and talk, and then I went to SSD, oh, I went a couple times, and Next Step as well, and just, and got to know Rachel as well, Mm -hmm. and just really some good talks throughout, and... I think it just was, I was at a place where in church uh, was not the safest place on earth for me. And I just started thinking, what do conversations that matter? Because he always talked about conversations that matter. And uh, and that can be defined 
lot of different ways. And so I just would ponder and process that. What does that really look like? And so I thought, what does it look like in church? What does it look like with your neighbor? What does it look like sitting Mm -hmm. on my front porch? Mm -hmm. Oh, what would that look like in a coffee shop? So that was just some of the background of, and I love the book Soul Talk. I thought it was just, just one of my favorites. And I went even back through it this week before this conversation, and it just resonates again in in so many different ways. I think it's going to be coming now a book that I read once a year just to to revisit and yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of highlights, lots of circles, lots of underlining though. Yeah, yeah. So when you talk about the importance of soul talk and the need to go back and revisit it. Tell me a little bit about what you find so compelling in Soul Talk. What is it that really, you mentioned Holy Curiosity. Um, That's a very weighty concept when you really get into what Larry's talking about in the book. But what about Soul Talk inspires you or how does it shape your conversations? Um, What are the core sort of in that? Yeah, I think, I think. What resonated with me is I, previous, before engaging or entering into New Way Ministries or Larry Crabb or The Larger Story, I would, part of my background, my faith background was in ministry and women's Mm -hmm. ministry Mm -hmm. and worked with the youth group and I was born and raised in a Christian home and my dad was, I have the missionary background. So there was a lot of pieces that felt really important like to sit with people and to listen Mm -hmm. to people and Mm -hmm. to offer people ideas or thoughts or verses so when i heard in the book and also in ssd that it's the language that the spirit how does it go that arouses that appetite for christ i was i leaned into that i was like Mm -hmm. what does that look like to arouse this appetite for god yeah. And so I think that that alone right there, that that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Like when you're sitting with someone and you're listening and you're having these conversations. And so I think for me, I think Larry introduced that to me, not just through the book, but in mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. that someone that had that higher vision, that yeah. thought beneath. And I was just fascinated by that. I was just like, wow, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I think that, I think you're right. I think that is the, not just the premise or the center of soul talk, but of all that we're doing here at larger story, that this idea of spiritual formation as relational formation and that being centered or carried out in conversation, then the focus of every conversation is to not just, I I think I heard this growing up because I had a similar kind of Uh background to Jesus or that was always sort of part of the, whether it was a gospel conversation or that was always the idea. But I think Larry takes that a, a little bit deeper and maybe even gives it more intentionality or purpose to say, no, your 
the point of your conversation is to cultivate and stir up, just like in Hebrews, his favorite verse in Hebrews, where you stir one another up to love and good deeds. Mm -hmm. That's what our conversations are meant to do is to stir up that appetite for God. So how did that? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's just so fascinating, too, because for me, I I forget where it was at one of the SSDs and he talks about, or or for me, how I understood, do I trust the spirit enough in a conversation? Mm -hmm. Do I trust the spirit Mm -hmm. to be moving? I think previously I thought stirring up meant, oh, here, read this book. Oh, Mm -hmm. here's a verse. Oh, and like you said, I'm pointing them to Christ and there's nothing wrong with offering a book or offering a verse or, but is it leaning into that rhythm? And as Larry would say, listening with a third ear and waiting and what does that look like when I'm thinking beneath of everything that's going on in this person's story and just for a glimpse going, oh, but they really want Jesus more than they want that to be fixed. Where I think I always entered in this conversation, probably pretty arrogant. (laughs) I have these answers for you. I'm just going to come alongside and I'm going to stir up the appetite by giving you all these things. And so for me, it was like, what does it look like to just be aware of what's going inside of me wanting to fix this, if that makes sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think we all resonate with the trap almost of Mm -hmm. getting in a conversation and feeling that pressure to have something substantive to offer, to have an answer, to Mm -hmm. fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the whole chapter in Soul Talk on Think Passion, where you're really paying attention to what's actually happening in you and what's driving your questions Mm -hmm. and your responses Mm -hmm. and even just your sort of attitude toward the person is really critical. And I've learned a lot about myself in conversations by having having some part of my brain attentive to what's happening in me and why I'm responding and wanting certain things. Sure. And what those things I'm wanting, which often are, can I give them something that they'll think is helpful and valuable instead of can I stir a desire in them that is holy? And how Absolutely. could the spirit be using me to do that? Or how could he mm-hmm. be inviting me into something? much bigger than whatever piece of advice or suggestion I might offer. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also just that, not just fixing, how can I provide relief? It's so uncomfortable when someone shares something and you're just like Romans 8, 28, for sure, which is so true. I do believe that, but is it the timing? Is it, am I in rhythm? Am I in step? When he talks about that later, the movement, Yes. am I, or is I'm just like in a panic mode because I don't even know what else to say. So here you go. Yeah. And that's just, again, what's going on inside of me, whether I'm feeling inadequate, which I think Larry always says is a really good thing. Right. Can right. I lean into that? Yeah. So, yeah. So how have you, how have you experienced conversations that you've had with people, whether it's family or friends or community, like how have you experienced those differently? We've talked a little bit about what is different, but how has that experience been different for you? And what has that meant? What is the result, if you will? Okay, um, yeah. Let me think. Oh, I think it somehow 
I, I again, there's a little bit of tension and angst, mm. but yet it can offer, at least for me, um, it points me back. Mm. It points me toward Jesus and yeah. the larger story oh. and what's unfolding. And it can provide even possibly this drawing near this rest that Jesus calls forth. It's, it's very strange. It's a very, at least for me, that's provided. But yet, again, there's the tension there mm. of, and I have an, a, a thought, an example in my mind. I can share that if that's helpful. Or... If, you're, if you're willing, we love examples. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is, it, it just, it, my mind just went back to this when this was just becoming a huge part of yeah. how I was learning to relate to people and again, to listen to the sound of heaven versus the mm. sound mm. of hell, so to speak, or the clanging yeah. and the noise. Right. And again, it's not to say I don't agree at all with offering words or sure. life-giving words as Jesus did. Yeah. But I think for me, it's this following, thinking beneath, having the vision, having the passion, knowing the stories unfolding, but then how do I move with the spirit within that yeah. conversation? Yeah. So I think for me in response to the question, like, how has it changed? I can, there's little pockets of conversation, but when it comes to your kids, it's like a whole new, new level yeah. <laughs> of, of how do we have these conversations? And yeah. My husband had been to spiritual direction. My oldest son, I think, had already been. And my youngest son, it had become part of just some of our family dynamics of how can it not when it's yeah. really touched the depths of your soul. Mm -hmm. And my son was 18, 10 years ago, and he had a, a lot of health issues. It was a journey going on for us. And I'll never forget, he. we had gone, several doctors had lots of tests. And one of the tests was they were check, checking for cancer. Mm. And mm. as a mom, you're just, here. And you're just yeah. like, rested soul, angst. What do I do? How do I say? How do he's finding his own journey? Yeah. And I'll never forget. He, we got home and I could feel obviously at 18. I don't even know what he's feeling, but there was a mm. lot of angst in his own soul. Sure. I was wanting to have this conversation, but it was like, it's not time. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And finally he whipped around just very angry. And how could God, when he goes into this, just how could God, blah, 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 blah. And I remember just not even thinking relief or yeah. how do I provide this, but this fear just, obviously just came up inside of me. So I did what I've done often. And I just blurted out Romans eight twenty eight, mm. And true. It's a true verse. I believe right. with all my soul. Yeah. But in that moment, he, there, he couldn't hear that. Yeah. His heart wasn't open to God works things for good. Right. When he just shut down and he just backed mm. off. And so I just I went to my own space and I was like, God, what's stirring in me? And I was like, I'm afraid, not afraid of the outcome of the result. Yeah. You know what I was grasping to? 
is what if the result was cancer and my son never wants God because of it? Oh, yeah. And that's my, I want that guarantee. Right. And whatever happens in my husband's life and my friend's life and in, in my children's or my kids' lives, my daughter-in-law's, I want them to want God. Right. And I want that to be their appetite. And that's not a wrong or bad thing. Right. But when I grasp to that, yeah. to just throw a verse out in a conversation because of my fear. So we had years later, we were able to even have a conversation about that time. Yeah. It was really sweet, but that's how it's changed for me is to be able to say, wait a minute, what's happening in my soul that can start to rise up? So then I speak quickly or I'm not stopping to listen or I'm not rested or that's just a thought that came to mind about how maybe that shifted for me. Yeah, that's a really powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think as I hear what you're saying and it's, it strikes me as very important that the things we keep coming back to in this conversation are what's happening in us. And I think Mm. when you have a conversation about how to have a good conversation, (laughs) usually about techniques or things, the right questions to ask or how to listen well, or how to, it's more about the other person and how you can help or impact properly the other. But very seldom is it really focused on what is happening in me in this conversation. Mm. And I think that's one of the unique emphases that Larry was always drawing us back to is Mm -hmm. the way that spiritual formation occurs in relationship is that there's always, if God is working all things together for my good in these conversations, in these Mm -hmm. realizations, in the painful recognition of the broken places in me, he's Mm -hmm. working that for my good. And not that there's some kind of narcissistic motivation for conversation it's just the divine efficiency of how god works that these are for me um he's he's loving me um always and even in a situation where my fear has spoken louder than my faith if you will god is working all things together for his good. And I think to your point and your story, the hardest thing is to trust that he's working all things together for whomever I'm talking to, for their good, even in my mistake, even Mm -hmm. in my selfishness, even in my lack of competency, that the Mm -hmm. spirit can use all of that. And I can trust God in what Mm -hmm. he's doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, oh, it's so beautifully said, Carlene. Thank you for that reminder that just there's something, again, not a narcissistic way of, oh, let me always think what's inside. Right. But I got to be aware of that because if I'm not aware of that, then I have found then that there's this, uh, just this broke, this, uh, how do you say it? Like a a glitch or so Mm -hmm. in what the spirit's doing and he's moving. And again, I, and I'm not even looking, I've given up on trying to figure out like how to do this conversation perfectly. (laughs) I'm like, there's just no way. And and since 10 years ago, I'm still like (laughs) so many times just go right in there. And 
And Larry used to say, he was so kind. He was always like, I love how you want everybody to get it. But he's like, why do you want that so bad? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really good thought. I need to just kind of like, what is that about that? Can I trust again that the spirit's doing a work and I'm just tagging along like he always says. And what does that look like? And have that sense of wonder and be intrigued. What would that have looked like in that conversation with my son? In the moment of fear, what would that have looked like? And to stop for a second and go, okay, I wonder what's happening in his soul, my soul. Yeah. I don't do that. That's so supernatural. It is. (laughs) It is. I think the wonder and the mystery often drive the fear because Mm -hmm. I want everything spelled out and I want to know where we're headed and I want to plan. And one of my favorite books of Larry's is Finding God and he talks about are you looking for a plan to follow or a person to trust? And if I'm really honest, I'm mostly looking for a plan to follow. I mean, give me five steps, give me a guaranteed outcome. And like, I'm an acronym or alliteration or something that's easy to remember. Yeah. Follow, a person well, to follow, like that's terrifying because I don't know where he's taking me all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in some ways I'm like, I don't know if you're trustworthy to follow (laughs) what has life shown me. Right. And I, I, that's a whole other path. It's fascinating to even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good though. I've forgotten that part. I think I, I like what we're talking about here, how even in, in the conversation with your son was a was a pivotal moment, but mm-hmm. even in conversations that are just everyday, relational fodder, if you will, there's so much opportunity for these deep theological, le- here we are in this conversation circling around Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. and really probing into what does that actually mean? Like when it's not just embroidered on a pillow or coffee mug or whatever, what does life look like if you truly surrender to the reality that God works all things together for his, for our good, according to his mm-hmm. purposes, back to the person to follow, what, how then in a conversation do I believe that and follow him no matter what else is going on in the conversation, whether it's a fairly simple conversation with my son about his homework or mm-hmm. a, a much more sober and heavily laden conversation that you had sure. with your son. I think that certainly changes and maybe a better way to say it is that what makes the conversation matter? Mm-hmm. What is it that makes the conversation matter? Oh, that's good. Well, that's really good. Because even now in our culture today, I've heard that in other pockets, people mm-hmm. are like, we, we're having conversations that matter. Right. And you're like, what is, how do we even define that? Who and gets to be the judge of what matters? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I know I was going back through the book and just thinking about that even in the workplace or at the Red Dot Coffee Company Mm -hmm. or with my Mm -hmm. staff or like you're saying, it's, it's even interesting 
for me, the whole idea behind the Red Dot Coffee Company was to offer a safe place for conversations that matter. And again, how are we defining that? And then now for me, working with a generation and no judgment here of this isn't often the, what conversation is. Yeah. So even for me, just seven years later after opening, I'm like, I'm having to redefine what is that? Yeah. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. What do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think like having for 14 all the way through being around kids and. Yeah. So much of our, yeah, so much of our conversation revolves around whatever was just seen on the phone. And I've actually done some work, some of the work I'm doing at Larger Story is to try to tap into that, to maybe even use that as a bridge between generations to see, look, here's something on the phone. Let's talk about. But, and then the question that weighs heavy on my heart is how do you determine a conversation that matters because we can be having, like I said, a conversation about his homework and whether or not he did it on time or thoroughly or the way I think it should have been done. And that can be a conversation that matters. And it feels like something that in the grand scheme of things, maybe doesn't matter very much. Mm -hmm. It can also, I can also define how his homework matters in a way that doesn't actually matter. I can focus on the performance rather than whatever's happening in his heart or mine. Um, But I, I, so I, as we were just talking, I was thinking about that again. And it's a, it's a, it's a question that I've struggled to define because it was one of Larry's catchphrases or just something he said a lot, but, it's very hard to nail down how you define or determine what matters. And I think going back to what you said in the beginning about stirring up an appetite for God, and that can look like a lot of different things. Even back to my worn out example of David's homework, even stirring in him a desire for excellence or to do this for for God's glory instead of just to get me off his back. Like there's there's lots of ways to think about that. And Mm -hmm. I think the shift in mindset for me, at least of these conversations are opportunities and to back to the whole thing about the person to follow. It's a, it's an opportunity that's offered me. I'm invited into something that God wants to do. And will I be self-aware enough and connected enough to the spirit to actually recognize the opportunity? First, that's the first problem, right? Or the first hurdle to overcome. And then will I step into it with a holy Mm -hmm. curiosity instead of my hidden Mm -hmm. agenda, which gosh, Mm -hmm. crops up so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah, I hear that. I love that the thought of it just be an invitation. And can yeah. I just, again, for my, my ministry purpose or whatever, mm-hmm. that I can go mm-hmm. in to work every day and again, not, Oh, this is really good. So let's have conversations that matter and grasp tight for this better hope versus the better life. Yeah. <laughs> or do I come in and just say, it's an invitation, see yeah. where it goes, yeah. trust what happens and yeah. be obedient to that. 
And then when it's not going the way I think it should, what's happening inside of me then? Can I just, in, in, again, and I'm sure somewhere along the line, can I do this without expectations of anything in return? Yeah. And what does it, is that part of what matters and what doesn't matter? Can I just be, accept this invitation, be obedient to that, have this holy curiosity, stay rested. If I don't get anything in return, I'm going to get up and do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I I think that's really important. I find myself often tempted by the futility or the feeling of futility that if I don't see some sort of impact or result, how do I keep myself motivated to, like you said, get up the next day and issue the invitation or respond to the opportunity or so how do you do that Arlita? How do you stay protected against the futility, the feeling of futility? Uh, I, that's such a great question. I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm wondering if within the last, because I had that thought when I first started Red Dot, I thought, you know what? doesn't matter. doesn't mm-hmm. matter yeah. what people, their reach, their touch. I'm just doing this. And it was a neat way to soul care incognito. Wasn't in a church building, but it was in a place. Yeah. The whole mission statement behind it, the whole, because Larry and I would even talk, like he'd be like, he would, but it'd be funny, he'd be like, well, what do you think it would look like? Or how do you think you'll go about having conversations that matter? And I'd be like, I'm going to trust the spirit. Okay. <laughs> so even the way I've designed it, laid out the way mm-hmm. the, the games that are have to do with the games I have are questions or words that mm-hmm. I have up. And I'm like, Oh, this'll do it. This'll stimulate. This'll stir up. Yeah. And I would go in and year after year, I'm like, okay, this looks totally different than I ever thought it would. So I'm wondering if now, instead of embracing the futility, is instead of protecting, I embrace it. Ah, and I embrace ah. it. I just feel like I'm going to face that every yeah. day. I'm like, yeah. am I doing, why am I doing this again? Is it, has I touched anybody? Has anybody's life been stirred toward a higher vision or toward the larger mm-hmm. story of what's happening or toward the heart of God. And if I repeatedly ask myself that without looking at what's going on inside, yeah. I think at that moment I can start to protect and say, right. ah. but if I embrace the futility of, is it working? Does it make a difference? And then I feel like father, son, spirit, Trinity goes, that doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're doing what we need to do. Yeah. And you keep listening yeah. to me and step into it. So maybe more embrace than protect. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think the verb matters a great deal. And so I appreciate your discernment to change that because I think futility is a real enemy that I struggle Mm -hmm. with. And so the idea of embracing it in the way that you're talking about, uh, I find really compelling and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of surrender in what you're talking about because to protect against the futility is still me fighting my own battle, if you will. Mm-hmm. When I, 
but to just embrace it and trust again trust the person instead of the plan that feels that feels like something distinctly different and maybe holy i like that That's yeah cool. and i think I'm wondering too, for me, as I'm an empty nester, as I've gotten older, you put your head on your pillow at night and I like what you're saying. What am I trusting this process, this plan? How's it going to go? And then there's just this, I'm drawn to what you're saying. I'm just, no, just trust Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Trust. And it sounds so simple again, but yet that's the truth. What choice do I have? Mm -hmm. So I can live this protected layer, but I've done that. And that didn't get, that was not free. That was no freedom in that. Yeah. Let me just ask one more question. Since we've, I think, followed the spirit of this conversation, and it's been a lot about what's happening in us in a conversation, Mm -hmm. how would you sum up or articulate your, to use one of Larry's terms, your prophetic burden, like what God has put on your heart at this point of your journey, the seven years of this particular focus, but like, h- how would you describe what God's asked you to do and what he's done in you as a result? Mm. Wow. That's a big question. I think, yeah, it is it's such an interesting because my mind goes, well, last year I graduated with my master's in spiritual formation. I'm almost finishing up my certificate in spiritual direction. And she's like, okay, you've opened a coffee shop. You can do all these things. And then I just go, my prophetic burden, I don't know. Is I think it, you, when you think of, I guess just to, to sit with people, journey with them. And to see them want God more than anything else. And whether that's within the church, on my front porch, at a coffee shop. Yeah. I think if you would ask me 10 years ago, that question may have looked different. I have the little frame that that he gave. One of the classes, the prophetic burden and... Yeah. My journal probably says something different, <laughs> but right now when you ask that, it's probably just to be, come alongside and just be with people and whether it happens or not, I don't need to, if I see it, great, but yeah. I'm, I guess what I mean is if, if I could stir that up in someone mm-hmm. then I feel like I'm doing what God's asked me to do, yeah. whether I see the result of it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit curious now, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but we started there when I asked the first question, that's what you said. And so Mm -hmm. I I find it really powerful that what are we 40 minutes later, you're saying that you're you're back to the same answer. And yet there's a lot more emotion in you right now. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you're open to sharing what what's being touched what 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 may be happening with the tears probably a little bit with when you brought up protecting mm. futility and to say yeah well we can embrace that yeah but what all that means underneath yeah. that and so i think the emotion can come from 
again, this passion I have to come alongside people, knowing that it's looking different, mm. knowing that technology is changing that, yeah. knowing that a lot of times, even since COVID, things are more transactional right. than relational. And I think God, for some reason, has created that within my soul. Mm-hmm. So I think when there's wondering if it really matters, there's changes ahead. I'm getting older. What all does that look like? So maybe a slight grieving, but mm-hmm. yet hopeful yeah. that there's still opportunity to, yeah, to speak the language of soul talk yeah. and to tag along and when I think, oh, I get to tag along, then it just stirs an emotion of, yeah. and that's okay. And that's good. And so yeah. I think some of the tears maybe come from, again, the angst of life, of, sure. of tension of that. Yeah, it's just yeah. a very, doesn't feel heavy. It just feels like it's, it's a beautiful opportunity that God's given me. Yeah. I I was just thinking as you were talking, the word beady was just, roaming around in my head and it it is a beautiful opportunity and it's beautiful to me the way that you've embraced that opportunity and as I hear you talk about the emotion of just considering this prophetic burden that I think God has given you for you know a long time but particularly the last seven years I do find when the veil is thinner and I feel more aware of the reality that I live in the Trinity with the Trinity, um, the tears just come. Like I, it's not <laughs> frustrating sometimes, but the thing about that proximity or that felt proximity to that amazing reality that just mm. opens me up in a way that results usually in in emotion and tears. Yeah. And I do think then the felt difference between the shalom of the Trinity versus the challenge, whether it's the futility or just the difficulty and things you mentioned about our culture and society, like all of those things that tends to, uh, at least if I heard what you're saying correctly, it's this juxtaposition of that grease over the, what's missing in that, taste of what's most true and what's most real and they hit each other and it just starts it's so true yeah Yeah. and i think like even i said just reading the book this past week here in 2023 yeah compared to when i first read it and read it oh my word what could this look like in our culture today and so i think you're right the jokes of it's just different now and then but yet i i just and i guess some of the angst I feel or the tears that come is, oh, but God used his word to speak life and, he, and words spoke yeah. life. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, how in the world is that going to, so I'm just like, okay, Larry, I won't give up on this. I'm going to keep going. I want to <laughs> just, and again, just I'm invited into that. And no matter what changes come and to look at it, like you say, it's a privilege and it's sweet that God says, yeah, I'm going to trust you with a little bit of that and yeah, and 
and you trust me and I got the, I know what's happening. I see yeah. the culture right. and I'm just asking you to come along and when you can have some, and don't even worry, you'll have conversation yeah. and I'll take care of the rest. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think that's so yeah. beautiful. And Arlene, I think you're beautiful and what you're doing is beautiful. Oh, and I'm so grateful you. that I got to be introduced to what's happening there. Yeah. That I've gotten to just uh, spend a little bit of time with you. I thank you so yes. much for this conversation. Thank you. It's thank you. a lovely exploration of, I think, how God uses words and truth. You, you touched on this just a minute ago. One of the things that Larry um, says in his book, it used to be called Silence of Adam. Now I think it's called Men of Courage. But he makes the mm-hmm. point that when God spoke, all of creation came into existence. And then Adam stayed silent and all of creation was broken. And I think that's a powerful sort of testimony to what God can do in a conversation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so that's, I think that's part of embracing the futility is knowing that in your faithful surrender to keep going. <laughs> um God creates beautiful things. He does, for yeah. sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for your thank time. You. And thank you for sharing oh, your heart. Time. That's what we're about here on the Relational Spirituality Podcast. One of our uh, little phrases is that we we want to be known, to belong, and to become. And I think that's what you're trying to do with your offer, Conversations That Matter. And so thank you. Thank you again for joining me and thank you larger family for being a part of what we're doing here. We hope you enjoyed our time together and we look forward to sharing a conversation with you again next week. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below, then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel for more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at larger story.com. Thank you.